the clip. Welcome to today's episode of Hints from HR. I'm Becca Ramadi, and I'm here today with my Hints from HR crew, Nicole Block and Billy Griffin. We're missing Blaze Spitaleri, but he uh, is here in spirit. And we also have my How to Speak partner in crime, Jason Fine. Uh, happy to have you guys all here with me today. Hey, full house. Full house <laughs> is here. right. So this is going to be our last episode of Hints from HR and our last episode of How to Speak Maintenance for 2023. So we wanted to look back and see what we've covered and start to talk about what we see coming in 2024. This year, we started talking about recruiting, uh, training, and retention, which mirrors the type of resources that TAAEF is, uh, is developing and promoting and putting out there for our TAA members through the Resource Center that we launched early in 2023. So now let's start and jump in and start talking about our recruiting sessions that we've had on the program. We talked to Melissa Rhodes with Graystar about changing the mindset, the hiring mindset, and Kara Rice with Swift Bunny about how recruiting is the new marketing. Um, Nicole, ladies first. What were your, some of your takeaways from these episodes and, you know, recruiting challenges and trends and things in general? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, all of these, you know, I think they built on each other, right? But I, the recruiting is the new marketing. That one really spoke to me because one, it's just really reframing that shift. I mean, obviously changing your hiring mindset, you got to get them to the interview first, right? You got to attract them. And, and so I think by, you know, understanding that the the networking opportunities and the you know, we're constantly recruiting because we are a representation of our company's brand, whatever that is. You're, you're always showing what your culture is, whether you mean to or not. And so I think recruiting is the new marketing really, you know, kind of changed the way that I intentionally recruit um, maybe a little bit different. And I hope that some of the other companies found that to be impactful. And then you get them, you know, into that, then you get them in and then you do the assessment. So I think that kind of having that piece as far as getting them in the door, uh, maybe a little bit differently because it is a totally new landscape of of talent. Uh, so we have to just attack it a little bit differently. So that's probably the most impactful one I'd say in that group for me. Yeah. And Jason, you know, on, on how to speak maintenance, we also talked about hiring, using maintenance, um, testing and assessments. And, and, and that was a great conversation as well. Anything from the maintenance side of hiring that st- stood out for you? Yeah, we talked to Sarah Lee Reina and we talked about the aptitude test like you were talking about. And I liked what you said, Becca, on the call. You 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 mentioned that we shouldn't use aptitude tests and say that as a, as a barrier to entry. Yeah. And so that was pretty, uh, pretty insightful because I think sometimes we can get a little bit locked in and say, if they don't get above a 70, then they can't have the job. And we were really, we really dove a lot into uh, how somebody might be a good test taker and they mm-hmm. might have a really good score, but then they come in and they can't actually do the job. And then that just sets them up for failure. So that, that was really insightful during our How to Speak maintenance call. A lot of what TAA Education Foundation focuses on is trying to bring new people into the field. So we don't want to handcuff them right away by a a test that may or may not be the best indicator for what they can do. 
Billy, how about you with the supplier side of things? Uh, uh, again, on the supplier side of things, the, the, you know, the whole thing on the training and and just bringing people in. You know, we're we're watching. Uh, you know, the millennials come in and they're they're all instant gratification. They all want it now, and so the fact that we're taking time to train them and onboard them the right way, and and um, you know, just just get them, you know get them trained up to kind of what we do and not have those, you know, little, you know, you may have somebody that doesn't understand the industry. So they don't take the test the right way that, that they're, cause they're thinking, Hey, it's this. And they they could be a perfect candidate. I mean, I've heard people like, Oh, well, this person tried to beat a culture test. And like, they, you know, they're a great salesperson. You've talked to them a number of times, but they, they, you know, they answered it the way they thought they wanted people like this person's not a salesperson. This person is an accounting person. It's like, no, they're not. And you go back to them and go quit trying to beat the test, take the test the way you're supposed to. And, so I, I think this is, you know, again, it leads right in the supplier side, the same thing. We're all trying to get, you know, great people, new people and, and keep them in. So these, every one of these topics were awesome. Well, I think with the assessments too, just to kind of wrap it up with a bow, I think that they're, like we've talked about their tools, but when you're looking for potential, you know, we always talk about a culture fit or we talk about, you know, do they have the right attitude because we can train everything else. So giving it the correct weight. Now, if you're hiring for, you know, a maintenance supervisor, yeah, they should have some knowledge because they're going to be potentially that teacher for the team. But if you're hiring an entry level, you know, make ready technician or, you know, kind of gauging, you know, what they can do versus what they are taking the test on and just using it as a tool. But like, like you guys said, it's it's not a barrier necessarily because we're going to have to train them. So they have everything else. Don't, don't exclude because, you know, if you hire the person that knows that test, they may be terrible to work with and a total grumpy person and you know someone that's not a team player but hey they can fix that that refrigerator i mean so who cares you know they they just destroyed your culture (laughs) good point well time out training a little bit more um we had a couple episodes focusing on training um and one of the ones that stood out for me was with josh haynes from madera we talked about cross training your teams you and josh and i and we had a great conversation. What stood out from you for you about that? And also just the ideas about cross-training teams was interesting. And, and I don't think everyone does that necessarily. Well, and, and similar, like we've talked about too, it's some people see networking as a double-edged sword, right? Because they're like, why am I going to bring all these people to these networking events? Because they're going to get poached. And you're thinking, no, again, this is your calling card and you're getting everything out there. I think sometimes people as far as cross training, there's a misconception, right? That it's like, okay, why am I doing somebody else's job? Or why are, you know, those types of things. Whereas if you have a a strong team that can really understand one, the perspective of every single one of their team members, they're going to have more empathy. They're going to, they're going to give more grace and they're really going to lean in because they understand the contribution. Um, You know, they may not know it a hundred percent, but they have an appreciation for it. And then cross training builds stronger teams. And so if you're, you know, if, if you're woven tightly and this person gets promoted, you still have a tight weave and then they can grow. And then you just, you know, then you bring in that one person because you, you've cross-trained everyone else to kind of, you know, again, kind of carry the load, uh, but makes room for growth and development. And those are, again, the, it's somewhat counterintuitive. Like, oh my gosh, what if I cross-train them and train them and they leave? Well, what if you don't and they stay, right? So it's like you're, you're not pouring into any of these people. You're just keeping them where they're at and there's no growth in their learning, engagement, and development. And then you just have this mediocre team forever. It's it, We just have to really, again, flip that mindset again because it's train them and grow them and develop them. And if they leave, okay, great. But they're going to say, hey, you know, Nicole Block really made some time for me. You know, maybe you work again with them in the future. You never know. So I think that's what I would say as far as being intentional with the cross-training and again, flipping that script on it 
and showing how it's a positive, right? Because we need to be more secure in what we're offering so that our teams truly are, are empowered instead of afraid. Yeah, that's great. It also shows empathy towards, you know, the other people that like you're, you, you have this empathy towards your, you know, like I'm always stuck out doing this until you take the other job. And you're like, wow, I had no idea that they did all these other things. So that's, that's you. Yeah, yeah that's sure. a great point. That's a great point. And also, you know, on the call, we talked also about how the burden when someone leaves, if more than one person knows how to do something or how, you know, understands the function of another person's job then people can go on vacation and the burden doesn't always have to fall onto a certain person, um, which is a big deal, especially as we're all overburdened and doing too many jobs and too much work. So I think it's a, a great point and a really important uh, point for, for companies to consider. Yeah. We also had um, Thomas Marmaleo with Camden on to talk about intentional training. I'm um, I know, I think of this as Nicole's favorite word, intentionality, but first I'm going to go to Jason because we talked a lot the last few episodes of both shows about maintenance training and being very intentional with that. And that um, that lined up really well with TAA EF's um, launch of a maintenance apprenticeship guide, a training guide that any company, any member can use to develop to have the framework for a training program. And we spent time on all shows talking about it and Jason was directly involved. So if you want to give some thoughts on the training program, but also about being intentional with your training and also what the apprentice, the the idea of an apprenticeship can do for a company as you've seen done with Camden. Yeah. I, I feel like everybody is going through that same struggle of we're not getting these highly qualified candidates that are applying for our open positions because everybody's holding on to their, their very highly qualified candidates and they're treating them well. And so we're getting a lot of these green employees that are new to the industry and they're excited and it's, it's a new adventure for them, but they don't know anything. And I feel like what we've done at Camden and, and that's why I love the tool that you built Becca is now we can be able to build that pipeline for ourselves and we can take people that are new to the industry and we can give them opportunity to dip their toes in the water and be able to see if it's if it's anything that they want to be involved in. And then we get the opportunity to really dig in and, and see what well, what's do they come to work on time? Are they a great future employee? And so it's kind of like dating. It's like speed dating. And now I get to be able to show them some new skills and I get to get them, you know, introduced to electrical and plumbing and to HVAC. And at the end of the program, then they can be able to determine if they want to stay in it. And we can also be able to look at them and say, you know what, I want to give you a shot. And it's been really awesome because we we built the program. We started working with Goodwill and we started working with some other programs out there. And we're we're building that pipeline. And we actually had one of our first apprenticeship apprenticeship program graduates. He became a supervisor. He got promoted and became a supervisor. So yeah, and that's awesome. It's amazing to be able to see that and to be able to build that pipeline and 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 to help grow people because like you said you know if you don't spend time with your employees and, and teach them and train them then they you know they're going to be stagnant and they're not going to be able to help contribute and they're not going to feel successful and then that's going to lead into to more, more turnover in the future so i i'm a big fan of the program that's great yeah, for sure well and i would also say too with the intentionality piece one of the things we talked about was timing of things and position being more, you know, 
you know, consistent. I know we'll talk about that a little bit more in the onboarding piece of it, but I think that, you know, the being intentional is not just what you're, you know, delivering to them. It's when do you deliver it to whom and, and, and how, how it's delivered. And, and I think that, you know, focusing on how people learn and, and all the different. So I think it was intentionality. We took it to a whole nother broader level uh, because it's not just, oh, I'm going to do it this way every single time. You might be being intentional, but are, are you really being effective? You know, when you're, you know, I, I might say I'm going to do it every Monday this time. Well, that might not work for Becca. She might start on a Tuesday. She might have Mondays off. I mean, so you just want to be, you know, intentional and, and be effective. You know, so I think, you know, varying that also with the training is, is something we brought up that I thought was important. Yeah. I think I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to add one more, one more thing. I, in my travels, when I go to properties around the country, it's, it's sad to me when I go and I see a maintenance tech that's been a maintenance tech at that same property for 15 years. And mm-hmm. in Houston, and and it's sad. Like, what could we have done for that employee eight years ago or ten years ago to be able to give them some skills? I could teach somebody how to replace an HVAC unit in a year. I mean, so why that that employee should be ten times better? And and mm-hmm. I I get what you're saying, Nicole. Like, you know, yeah, it might not be good to set it for every Tuesday, but at least earmark some time. You know, yeah. at least once a month month and say, hey, you know what? Once a month, we're going to learn something new. Maybe we call our, our vendors and they come in for a day and they teach us something. You know, maybe they can show us how to diagnose a compactor issue or, you know, maybe somebody can come in and show us something about elevators. And now all of a sudden I'm smarter. And then 10 years down the road, you know, I'm I'm a better employee because of it. So I'm a big fan of training. Yeah, for sure. Well, listening to Kobe, who was a guest on How to Speak Maintenance and a graduate of the apprenticeship program, who is now leading the program and training new hi- new hires, um, was so inspirational because he really, he, he had another job. He was in sales with Coca-Cola and he was doing a lot, but he, he wanted something more and he found this program and took a chance on it and on himself. And so listening to him talk about the value that he feels about himself now, having completed that and what he's doing now is really awesome is, and is exactly what we want from these types of programs and for people to feel about being part of this industry. Yeah. So moving on to the retain part, the retention piece of things, we did a couple episodes um, about that as well. The first was really with Christy Waddell from AG Living. We talked about onboarding. And we've talked about onboarding before from the show, but this was really onboarding is not orientation. And mm-hmm. I really like that because we talk a lot about how the resident experience and move-in, and Nicole said this before too, but what about our employees' experience basically moving into your into the company? And so I think it's a really important you know, issue that we should be doing more for. And I know a lot of companies struggle with getting this piece right. But um, there were some great things we talked about on that show. Billy, do you want to take this one to start? Thank you, Waddell. Amazing job with AG Living. You know, she she you know talked about not just filling out the paperwork, but actually who's following up with them that week, who's following up with the next day, who's following up with them, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, three months from now, a year from now. It is an ongoing process to make sure that the people have their answer, their questions answered because so frequently people get to a place and we even told, we, we shared some horror stories on this about people showing up and even the person they report to is not even there and there's no paperwork and people don't even know that they're starting to work that day. So, um, you know, again, we keep saying be intentional 
it's great to, when you say, what if this, then this, if this, then this. So people know where to turn and they don't feel like they're on an island by themselves the first day and they, they've got questions and, and you know, feed it to them in the amounts that they can have have a resource to come back to. And, and again, continue to grow and blossom as the employee that you hired that you want to be. So, um, yeah, Christy did a great job. And yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that the the piece of it, like calling it out for orientation, I think that really called the industry to the carpet. I think that that, I think that not just multifamily, I'm, I'm sure other, other industries do it too, but I think too many times we're looking at it to be an orientation. Like, Hey, here's where the, here's where you have lunch, the mess hall. It's like, no, it's not, I don't want to know where the mess hall is. I want to, you know, I want to understand the culture. I want to understand, you know, yes, feed me, tell me when my lunch is. I'm a new associate and I need to know what time I'm, I'm going to have lunch. But, um, but I think that that orientation piece, it, I think by saying that you're thinking, Ooh, yeah, there's an opportunity there. That orientation is very baseline level. You know, yes, we shared stories and one of them was mine that they didn't even know who I was the first day because nobody let them know I was showing up. And I'm like, hi. And some of them knew me from the industry. They're like, what's Nicole doing here? And I'm like, because I work here now. Yay. You know, so it, so that's obviously baseline. So orientation is better than that. Um, but truly, that's not the experience that we want our associates to have, similar to what I said before with the residents. And so I think that type of intentionality kind of I hinted to it in the last section. It's like, you know, obviously there's something everyone should get. But then it's going to be the timing or by position or are you a new acquisition? You're having to onboard a whole new team of 20 people that are coming on because you bought the property. That's going to look different than someone that comes as a new assistant manager on a stabilized, fully staffed property and and how they, you know, how they enter into, you know, your your community or your company. So I think that that intentionality piece for the onboarding is more like the slice and the dice and really personalizing the experience. Um, so it's consistent, of course, with your culture. But then specific to the role and the person in the circumstance, sometimes I think that's something we forget to do and we're trying to focus on it. Yeah, that's great. And like I said, it funnels up to retain. And the goal is if you do it the right way, we retain them and we keep them. And then we, you know, give them like, you know, then we went into Delbrick and doing the uh, test and the you know, hiring and retaining talent. And, and, you know, that ties right into that piece to where if you, if you bring them on the right way and we're doing the right thing and we're keeping them trained and we're finding out what they're doing, as you take these tests, you get them in the right spot. They're happier employees and retain them and they stay longer and life is grand. So we Billy is bringing the energy, man. Woo, go Billy. I'm, I'm ready to yeah, go. Man, I'm Billy. feeling it. I'm so feeling we it. talked to Deldrick with the Morgan Group about um, how they're using an assessment tool called Culture Index to um, hire. But, but what was really interesting was how they're using it to retain and to um, keep people happy and growing and, and learning at their company. And so that was a great, um, great segue, Billy, great segue. But, and we all took the test and it was really interesting to see, you know, how, you know, how we work together, how, how you take a group of people and see how, who are you missing from your team? What skills or what sort of personality types are you missing? And that was one way that they were using it to better their teams as a whole. You know, technology like the culture index or how they're using it um, reminds me of a few episodes or of an episode we did with how to speak maintenance, Jason, about um, AI and technology and how we shouldn't be afraid of it necessarily, but we should like look at it as how we can make our jobs easier, especially in maintenance. And that was a great conversation as well. Yeah, I I think uh, that was a great conversation. I think that we were talking about some poster, right? Where it was a building that was being constructed and they put that wrap on the outside and it said, hey, AI, come come finish this building. 
And it was, it was pretty interesting to see that. And, but you know, the more and more we talk about AI and in, in our industry, I mean, I, I see it as being exciting because could we be able to build a tool that says, Hey, you know, according to service requests and, and how long it takes Jason to complete appliances, he's the best employee for appliances. And now it could be able to assign me the tickets that I, I'm really good at. And now I can be more productive versus I'm not good at HVAC and you keep giving me HVAC tickets because we just got to check that box. So it's going to be really interesting once the technology grows and, and you know, companies feel a little bit safer with it because I know that a lot of companies are very nervous. I know I know of some companies that have shut it down and said you can't use AI at work, which it's I get it. I understand. So well, but, the billboard that Jason mentioned with basically said AI can't come and physically finish this building. Right. So right. don't be afraid of it. Use it to your advantage. And so that's what we talked about on that. But in everything that we've talked about, using technology for systems and processes like onboarding, like training, like the Microsoft planner that Camden uses for the apprenticeship program, they all can play a role. So it may not be the level at AI that we're thinking of or might people might be afraid of, but just using the tools that we have to make our jobs and our lives easier at this point, sort of a no-brainer. I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought up that planner. I wanted to hit on that because you guys were talking about onboarding. And so that planner that that Thomas built, that that's actually based off of the apprenticeship program. We built that program first and we used it for our apprenticeship program because we realized that those first 90 days are important. If you have a technician that joined your company, they probably applied for more than one job. So they probably have multiple applications out there. And so you're the first one that gave them a job and then they're onboarding their first day experience is they came in and it was, oh my goodness, thank you so much for joining. We've been swamped, here's keys and here's a bunch of service requests, which by the way, that was my first day in the industry. And yeah. And, and if that's your first industry and it's it's not fun, then all of a sudden one of those other companies calls up and says, hey, we really need you. Here's a buck more. They might leave for that dollar more. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're bringing them in, but you might not retain them. And so it's really important. And I'm glad you brought up technology, trying to form a, a, a way to be able to get the people in, let them be comfortable. And some of our supervisors aren't great trainers. So having this tool that says, hey, in the first week, here's the things you do with this employee. In the second week, here's the things. Don't swamp them and give them everything all in day one. I, I think mm-hmm. it's... Great point. So looking ahead to 2024, we know the last few months of the year always go like that, go so quick. What what are we, what do we think we're going we're gonna to see? What are going to be the trends? particularly around our employees and what do we see coming? Nicole, you want to hit that, hit that first? Yeah, I know for sure. So what do we see coming? My crystal ball, right? Yes. Um, you know, but I think that the, I, I think like similar, like we're talking about with AI, I think we're also looking for other ways to be more efficient just for what we do. Um, so I, I, I've heard a, a lot about centralization potentially coming back into the fold. I know a lot of companies did it 20 plus years ago, but it was a, you know, it was a building where all of the accounting assistant managers went, right? Well, now we don't need a building. They can do everything remotely for the most part. So a lot of companies are kicking back again. I've seen several of that are kind of centralizing some of their practices. Um, so I think we probably will see more of that. 
Um, but I also say, even though we all feel like, oh my gosh, end of the year budget's crazy. As far as you know, community selling, company selling, you know, a lot of things aren't changing hands right now. And you know, we've got lots of things going on, you know, an election year next year. We've got, you know, we talk about interest rates and stock markets and it is uncertain as it is now, I think this is the calm before the storm. And so I would say in 2024, like we're going to see um, potential, you know, companies being purchased, I think, we're, or, or like larger portfolios, because all of those three-year, you know, bridge loans and variable, you know, the, the mortgage rates, all of those are coming up due in 23 and 24, and or the interest-only loans, et cetera. So I, I think we're going to see kind of a calm and then just lots of chaos. And so that, that's my prediction. I don't know when the chaos is going to come. I'm I'm saying Q2, but I think we're going to, um, of course, see a crazy December with all those last minute, you know, 1030 exchanges. But I think it's the calm before the storm. And I think that that's something that we're, we're going to see probably a very busy 24, just with a lot of, you know, um, just shifts, right? As far as companies. And, and that means people too, because people are going to shift at the same time. So um, so I would say the efficiencies with maybe centralization. And then I think that 24 is going to be a very active year with transactions. Jason? Yeah. You always need people to turn wrenches. So it's hard to, you know, centralize maintenance. Uh, what I've heard in the in the industry and from my partners, friends and that are out there is that we're gonna keep trying to find new ways to be able to maybe group properties together, you know, so we mm-hmm. can share on some or we can be able to share employees. One of the yeah. things I'm interested in is between two or three properties, could you set up a group of people that are just focused on preventative maintenance work? And now all of a sudden I've got a crew doing tickets and turns and I've got somebody that's solely focused on preventative maintenance. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing that that's going to transpire over the next couple of years. Uh, one of the things that I know our company has been challenged with is the single family home companies came along and they took a lot of maintenance employees from us. And one of the that and they're offering them is no on call and no weekends and we can't compete with that it's difficult we've tried we've tried to figure out ways to skin that cat but you know, that, that cat is a wiry little one so we uh we had to back and say what do we call our maintenance employees for and i think a lot of companies are doing that and so hey what can i do to help my maintenance employees sleep you know is there is there a policy or procedure can i train my resident there's self-help tools that we can give the residents, you know, to be able to help themselves or just be able to stabilize things until the in the morning. But you know, at some point in time, we do know that you're gonna have to get woken up and come back to the property because it's a fire. So it's it's interesting. It's it's really making people stop and pause and think about what's going on and how we can improve the the lives of our maintenance employees while continuing to treat our customers the best way we can. I think uh, one of the biggest topics next year is going to be the new freedom and and how we we, we need to train our employees because it's new tools, it's new equipment, it's it's flammable, it's there's all these new stories. There's two different types right now and they're competing and nobody knows what's going to win in the end. And it's it's yeah. fun. It's, but it's now all of a sudden you're going to have an old, if you have a 20 plus year old property, you might have four different types of free on it there at that property. And now labeling. I have it. that actually at a campus of four, it has different refrigerant. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's a, it's a, it's a bear. 
but I, I told I'm, we're living it now. <laughs> yeah. It's going to continue to get worse. And you know, when 410 rolled out, everybody's like, oh, we're just going to get rid of R22. You know, so now we've got R22, you got MO99, you got 410, and now you're going to have this new Freon. So training and yeah. educating and staying organized is going to be really important. And the office can really help us with that and that, that partnership. So thanks, Jason, Billy. Yeah, I'll, I'll go quickly. I know on the supplier side, we we live in uh, off of y'all's world. We you know we have meetings with you all. We you know try to find out what y'all's plans are. And you know this time of the year, everybody's saying, "Hey, next year is an election year." And and as you just said, air conditioning has gone up. You know, taxes have gone up. Insurance has gone up. Labor has gone up. I mean, everything has gone up. And and as you talk to folks, people are saying they're pumping the brakes, looking at projects in the first quarter, maybe even some of the second quarter. So I'm going to agree with Nicole 100. percent I'm thinking second quarter or third quarter. It's there's going to be some chaos and it's going to be what what is that chaos is it properties going back is it people saying hey we now have the money we've got to spend by next year let's get things going and and you know as suppliers we kind of just again keep our ear to the pavement and kind of listen to to what our customers are doing and we try to react accordingly i mean there's 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 times where you'll see you'll bid something and you're like oh this is coming definitely in march of this next year and all of a sudden it's not till june and then all of a sudden it's like hey we're we're continuing to watch trends and watch the market and we're not going to make that big capex expense right now so you know definitely exciting year you know presidential year you said it's going to be exciting well multifamily is never boring and it is never boring being with you guys it is an honor to get to work with you twice a month <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you all and Blaze so much. And uh, we'll keep everyone posted on when we're back and look forward to seeing you all soon.